What's up, everybody? It's the On Fire Podcast coming to you from the NBC7 Podcast Studio. I'm Darnay Tripp. Derek, Tog- Derek Togerson. How are you? I'm good. How are you? you Doing good. Got, got, it's been about, uh, let me see, six months. You got the name down. Well I know. Done, fin- finally. Yeah. Well, we both got the DT initial thing, which has thrown a lot of people off here at the station. Yes. Because you use those in the systems and then... There's one DT, then another. Who's working on what? Who's editing which? Exactly. Should I come to you to ask a question meant for me and vice versa? It's so it gets very confusing. Because people don't know how to use, like, second letters yeah. of names. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. What, what do you do? Well, I've turned you into know? DA. Darn it. I mean, it works out. Middle name is Alan. You're so. the district attorney? Yeah, something like that. Nice. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, here we are back in the podcast studio. Uh, the tour to OGs continued last week. Coming up again in a few weeks. We'll get to that in a second. But home stretch. Yes, final home stand coming. Final home stand coming after we're recording Thursday afternoon after the 5 1 loss to the Brewers, which wrapped up just a, a miserable road trip. One and six road trip. And what? So nine games left in the season, including three against the D backs, three against the Dodgers, both at Petco. So last chance to see the squad in town, and um, do you want to? At though? this point, it's you know maybe maybe it's uh, the season mercifully coming to an end because hasn't been great. That's what I want to. Padre fans, do you, and we would go make sure we go back and look at the comments on the Facebook Live for mm-hmm. those watching on this, and then of course we like to uh, get the reviews and read some of those on the uh, on Friar podcast page. But do you want to go watch this team? Is this the the last hurrah for you this year? No Paddock anymore after mm-hmm. his last wonderful start. No Tatis. We haven't had him for a while. What? Why? Why? Why do we go? Other than the fact we're not going to see baseball in San Diego until. March. Yeah. End of March again. Convince me, because I'm in real negative Nancy mode right now after a one and six road trip. Why do we go watch this team when they're back here for the last six games? Why? Well, Machado just had a day off, so you figure he's good to go the rest of the way. Uh, so M- Manny does cool things from time to time out there in third base. Uh, he, again, we... Going back to we've got to the the occasional the defensive highlight, the occasional defensive highlight, but just the fact that one of the most talented players in the game, granted, hasn't had uh, the best season in terms of what he's been able to do personally year in year out. Still hit thirty home runs, still reached that mm-hmm. plateau, um, but I think he's probably one A in terms of reasons to still watch. Okay, how how locked in are you on? Garrett Richards and his comeback. See that? No, that's one of the things actually that does intrigue me. I want to see him throw in person. Uh-huh. He did throw. Pretty, the stuff looked good. Yeah. In that one start in Milwaukee, the stuff, the results maybe weren't fantastic. The stuff looked good. Mm-hmm. So um, that's encouraging. Denelson Lamette, I think, is fourteen strikeouts. Wow, six innings. That, yeah. That's I'll take that. You want to talk about swing and miss stuff? We've talked about him having swing and miss stuff. A lot of deep counts still. But that's imp- you're going to watch a guy go out and strike out double digits and have that kind of dominant performance on the mound. I'm interested in that. That's yeah. fantastic. Those two. Does Luis Urias finish with a flourish? Does Francisco Mejia finish with a flourish since he's back from the uh, from the oblique? Frankie Frankie gets me to the ballpark a lot more than Luis Urias does at this point. Did you want to see if the kid can come back and what he can really do? Because he was second half, he's sitting over 300. Yes. He's really swung the bat well. But there are those lapses defensively, and you can't overlook them. 
But again, if I'm just a casual fan going to the ballpark, I want to see somebody hit dingers. I want to see somebody um, do some damage at the plate. Maybe occasionally show off that rocket launcher of an arm that he's got. He's got a howitzer, doesn't he? Um, <laughs> but but then there's you know Hunter Renfro was one of those guys that was so much fun to watch in the beginning of the yep. season, the first half of the season. His numbers have tailed off, as Andy Green mentioned. It's kind of the ankle and elbow, and so he hasn't been himself. So that ball he hit in Milwaukee the other day, though. That must have felt good for him. He got into that one. Yeah. That ball, Miller Park's a good hitter's park. That ball was gone anywhere. Yeah. And so that it's just a long list of, of things that uh, aren't quite as exciting as they were the first few months of the season. Sadly, that's just kind of the reality. Even just kind of myself thinking about each game, each night, um, going through the highlights, this and that, you just find yourself thinking, man, there's a lot less just kind of those those little pieces, those little aspects of the club that either get you excited for a game or just create some level of intrigue night in and night out. It's just, I mean, you, maybe you get fired up for Nick Martini, you know, Seth Mejia's brain, first career home run. That was cool to see. You know, Travis yeah. Jankowski back in the fold, you know. Yeah. Fred's a good dude. For, for the diehards, maybe it's good to see this sort of thing. The casual fan, though, particularly when you take out El Nino, Fran Mill's yeah. been gone for a while. Chris Paddock's not going to pitch again. Yeah. There's just not a whole lot that's drawing you in, especially when you got a six-game losing streak and now um, seven of the last eight. You know, the, the the idea of finishing strong seems to have kind of gone out the door, especially when you consider that the roster just doesn't look as, as juicy as it was a month and a half ago. Unless they win out. Then they, then they finish strong. Well, yeah, okay. I, I'm if they if they forgive win me, out, forgive me for removing that <laughs> from the equation. I, I'm just not assuming that it's going to be the case. If you win nine in a row to finish the season, you will be finishing strong. That's definitely finishing strong. Do yes, you, is, is that what you're saying is going to happen, Derek? No, not even remotely close. No, if they at this point, if they get to 76 wins, it would be a miracle. You know? uh, yeah, 69 and 84. Yeah, it's... So nine left. Yeah. See, if you go nine and three to finish out, it would be... If you know, if you go... If you get well, seven, nine six, games six, left. You go six and three to finish out. Yeah, so you 75. Six and three to finish... How many six and three stretches have they had all year? And they got the Dodgers for three. Yeah. I, I don't know. I just don't know. It's been such... Man, it was so good for so long. And for longer than we've had here... Let's not lament the entire season until after the season, right? We'll do our, our reminiscing back on how things were mm -hmm. later on. Let's focus more on what we just saw. And it was in Colorado. We saw the offense went bonkers, which is what it usually does in Colorado. And the pitching staff ran and hid. Mm -hmm. Let's start there because it completely flipped that when they got to Milwaukee and the bats didn't work and all of a sudden the arms are fantastic. We need to never have Eric Lauer start a game at Coors Field ever, ever ever again and Andy Green even hinted as much mm -hmm. after the in his post game press conference maybe we need to just avoid him pitching at Coors Field his ERA is dang near 20 yep. in his career at Coors Field I don't know and I don't know if that's a mental block I don't know if his stuff just doesn't play there no idea what's going on even Joey Lucchese who had good career numbers at Coors Field got torched in that series mm -hmm. maybe it was just one of those contagious things I don't know but Eric Lauer, it's, it's it's not a small sample size anymore. He does not know how to get outs at Coors Field. So you put him on the mound, unless your offense does one of those Father's Day massive comeback deals, and you're putting a lot of stress on your offense to do that, they're not winning that game. You're giving the Rockies a win if you start Eric Lauer at Coors Field. 
Can you, when you make three trips there and play nine games there, nine to 10 games there a year, can you build your rotation around making sure one guy doesn't start in that barn? Cause that's it. It's, it's bad. Like it's really whatever he, it's the, whatever he does against the Dodgers, the exact opposite happens yeah. when he steps into Coors Field, and I don't get it. Yeah, you, you took the words out of my mouth because it was just last week, I think it was, or maybe a couple weeks ago, we were talking about the rotation and building for the future and what mm-hmm. pieces make sense. And for me, that that was the argument for Eric Lauer is because he's been a bit of a Dodger killer. Yeah. And even his last time out didn't pitch great, still manages to get the win, does enough to get the win. Quality start to get a win, yeah. Exactly. And it's it's crazy how different it is between those two clubs, especially we can consider the caliber of one compared to the Rockies, but the Rockies, you have the elements, you have the elevation and all that stuff that just kind of makes it different. Um, yeah, then then there's a couple strikes against Eric Lauer. The numbers are 0-4, 18.82 ERA, 23 earned runs in 11 innings pitched, a whip of 3.6. <laughs> Okay, you only have three bases because whip is walks and so hits per innings. You're pitch. giving up a. So, I mean, every inning single, you walk single out walk, there, walk, you're giving up a run. Every, regardless, he's, he's giving up guaranteed, guaranteed to give up a six run. tenths of a run. Yes, every inning he's on there, he's out there. That's not good. No. Hashtag analysis. No. That is not going to fly. No. It's how how is it even possible? Is that the worst that any pitcher with that many innings or how many starts has at any ballpark? I, it's, oh, I mean, it would shoot. it would I, have to be. We, we have to go into some deep. I research think somebody here, mentioned that during uh, was that Friday that he got the start, or was that Saturday? Um, somebody brought that up, but I, now I can't remember it off the top of my head. But I, I seem to remember thinking it was one of those types of tweets, like in terms of yeah. pitchers, ballparks, essentially anybody, as bad as it gets. Especially, I mean, it's one thing. It's kind of like the Cal Quantrill thing. Like you have a few blow up starts, but for it to be such a noticeable pattern, one after another after another. He doesn't have a good outing there. I mean, that's rare. Right, never, never, not one, and this is four stars now. So it has to be a mental thing at a certain point, no matter how much you did. There's no way it's lonely out there as a pitcher. Yeah. There's no way you can't have that in the back of your head when you're going out there to do your thing, especially then guy gets a hit on you, guys, a team scores a run. Like, that, to me, that, that has to be unavoidable when he gets in your head like that and maybe it was before he even walked in there because his first start right off the bat he got beat to a pulp at, at that ballpark and maybe that's maybe stuck with him maybe he thinks after that one out i i don't know what to do i can't get guys out here i don't i don't understand mm. but his stuff he's got good stuff anywhere else that ballpark is for whatever reason it's like one of those things I, I grew up with a guy who owned a batting cage i was over there all the time ron brand he was a catcher played several years in the major leagues as a backup never you know a, a everyday all-star caliber kind of guy but he had a solid major league career for whatever reason he wasn't a great hitter but he hit like th- high 300s against bob gibson of all people for some reason ron brand could just hit Bob freaking Gibson. Mm-hmm. And I don't know why. Ron was a scout for the Yankees for many years after that. And he never even understood why himself. Grew up around the corner from him. Don't know why. Yeah. I could hit Gibson. Couldn't hit anybody else. He could hit Bob Gibson. Maybe it's one of those things. You know, just one of those weird, wacky, statistical anomalies that just happen because baseball is such a unique and crazy game. Or maybe he's 
talked himself so into being hyped about Coors Field that he psychs himself out and mm-hmm. everything flattens out and it's just like the one batting practice. Yeah. Got to get him out of there. Yeah. Uh, the the one thing that I saw in that series, and again, it's Coors, you're going to score runs. But the one positive is, and and we've discussed this with Andy Green and does he have the clubhouse and this and that, is you saw a little bit of resiliency. Yep. You saw the team battle a little bit, and that's that's tailed off a bit as the season has gone. There's there's been games like the one on Thursday where they get down two nothing Hosmer homers and the wheels fall off. They give up two runs on a play where Luis Arias airmails a throw to Hedges and Hedgie tries to get greedy and get the runner at third and airmails it into uh, left field. We've seen more of that, more sloppy play. They're compounding mistakes. Yeah. Instead of just saying stop. Don't give up the beginning. Just stop the bleeding now. Yeah. One guy will make a mistake. The next guy will try to make up for that mistake and then double down on the mistake. And then by the time you know it, three runs are in and all hell's broken loose and you can't get back. And maybe it's easier to not roll over and die when you know what Coors Field is. And then they've had games like that this season where they've come back from the dead to get wins. Yeah. Um, so that was a bit encouraging just seeing them get down. And give themselves a chance, even if the end results weren't. Yeah, they got great. back to they were down eight to two. They got back to eight seven on I believe it was Friday night. They keep fighting and they keep coming back. I don't know why they can't make that last step to get over that hurdle mm-hmm. all of a sudden. But it's it's weird. Yeah, it's 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 weird with this ball club and how they're because it's guys who you're expecting to perform. Manny Machado, Eric Hosmer, Will Myers. Hunter Renfro, he's hurt now. It's you should still be scoring a lot of runs, mm-hmm. which hasn't happened consistently all year long either. So I don't, I don't. Are we going to see another pitching uh, hitting coach mm-hmm. change for the Padres? You've had like twenty five hitting coaches in the last three months. I don't, I don't know. I don't know what the answer is. I do know we've talked about on this podcast about the approach not being that great, mm-hmm. especially against really good pitchers. That I think has to change organizationally. Mm-hmm. So many unanswered questions right now. So many frustrations right now that just make you kind of go, Yeah. Uh, Can we talk about a positive? Yes. And that was the starting pitchers we saw Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday of the Milwaukee series. And Andy Green said it after Denelson Lamette's fantastic start on Wednesday. He was asked about that one, two, three. And he basically said, you know, in my time here, I don't think we've, sent guys out on consecutive nights that have top-of-the-rotation type stuff. And that's what he commented on, and that's what we saw from Garrett Richards, Chris Paddock, to Nelson Lamette. Yes. And we don't need to go into a deep dive as we have like every other episode of this podcast about what's the rotation going to look like in 2020. But we could. We could. <laughs> Let's try not to. Um, but those are three guys as a starting point. You figure you can do a whole lot worse than that. You can do a lot worse than that, yes. If Garrett Richards is all the way back from the Tommy John surgery and can sustain and maintain that through three innings, yeah, you know that's basically piggybacking him. Yeah. But what we saw was good. What we saw was encouraging, mm-hmm. which is very nice. Uh, Paddock, the pitch limit and the innings limits will be off, mm-hmm. and that'll be really, really interesting and fun to watch. To Nelson Lamette came back, I think, at the perfect time to kind of build his innings a little bit. He might have some innings limitations next year based on coming off the Tommy John, you know, second year back. But 
if he throws like that, mm-hmm. he even didn't walk all that many guys. I can that would he's a guy who can and will pitch well at the major league level. He's shown he showed that as a rookie right up until he had that Tommy John surgery, you know, to, uh, to beginning of 2018. He can play. He, the kid can pitch. The kid's got wipeout stuff. If those are the top three guys in your rotation and they're pitching to the level that we've seen them pitch and can maintain that, you could do a, a lot worse than those three guys. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Garrett Richards was it was fun to see him back. Like you said, his stuff looked good. It was really just a couple misses. I mean, he could have easily pitched uh four runs of maybe at worst one run ball, four innings of one run ball. He was a strike away and Corey Spangenberg got him again. I mean, he just simply missed on a pitch that was supposed to be inside left in the middle of the plate. Um by the way, Corey Spangenberg, the latest on the list of Padres to yeah. come back and and Burn their old team in a bad way. Yeah, he had himself a nice little revenge game, drove in three runs. Uh, one thing I like to see was the fire from Garrett Richards and the saltiness. Like, we haven't seen – have we seen anybody, like, slam their glove into the bench or, you know – Full take, curmudgeon. Take yeah. out a Gatorade uh, uh, thing with a ba- baseball bat or something? Like, I, I'm – I like seeing somebody blow up in the dugout a little bit. I think Peavy might have been the last guy with the Padres but like on to this, have that capability. On this team, like we haven't, you know, we, we saw uh, Ian Kinsler use some select words towards the fans. We saw Kirby Yates have some select words yes. towards his catcher. Uh-huh. Uh, but when it comes to like full, just, just going Carlos Perez on a Gatorade yes. jug or something, yeah. I haven't seen that in a long time from this club. And and he got yanked, and the first thing he did, slams his glove against the bench and see the guys around him just kind of, what do we do? Jan Kowski gave him just kind of a nice little pat on the back. Um, and even after the game, you know, he's asked about what it's like to be back and healthy and this and that and trying to get at the heart of, of kind of the emotional side of it. And you could tell he's just like, I didn't pitch as well as I wanted to. That's, yeah. I mean, I, I understand what you guys are getting at. It's good to be healthy again. I missed two pitches, and because of that, my team's not going to win tonight. And and also, because I missed two pitches to a guy <laughs> who I had no business getting hurt by, right, I right. think is what the underlying statement sure. there. He was like, th- th- I didn't get hurt by Christian Yelich. No, you okay? didn't. That you can live with. No, Christian Yelich got hurt. I I, did, I got hurt by Flory Spangenberg. Yeah. You know, by the way, quick aside on Corey Spangenberg, as I take us completely off the rails, as I, as I am wanting to do. Your seat <laughs> Corey Spangenberg was the 10th overall pick by the Padres, right? That was the year after they drafted Karsten Whitson in the first round. And he didn't sign and ended up going to Florida, ended up being a huge bust at Florida. I don't. He never made it to the major leagues. He was a first-round pick of the Padres out of high school. Uh, that was one of those picks that the Padres made with that particular regime at the time because they're like, we got to get somebody who's signable. Sure enough, Corey Spangenberg, they get. He was a guy they knew they could sign. He was like the second or third player in the entire draft to sign that year. Didn't take that much money. Good dude. You know, decent hit tool. But he, they knew what he was. He was a guy that could get in there, maybe can have some kind of an impact at the major league level. Do you know who the very next pick in that draft was? Uh-oh. A guy who had maybe some slight signability issues, but everybody knew he was probably going to be a stud. Mm-hmm. That they could have had... But they didn't take him because they wanted the sure thing instead of going out and trying to be a good baseball club. Who's that? George Springer. Ah. George Springer was the very next guy taken. Yes. So the Padres could have had George Springer it's turned out in the good. organization. He's not a bad ball player. No, not at all. Yeah. Instead, they went with the easy signability guy 
in Corey Spangenberg. And that that right there, because that, that draft also, before Spangenberg was even taken, it was Baez and Lindor. I mean, that draft was off the charts mm. when it comes to really good ball players. That's what I like about this iteration of this front office and this ownership group. Not going to play scared. They're not going to play scared. They're going to go and they're going to get guys. Plus, they understand you you bring on a Phil Hughes so you have the money to sign an Xavier Edwards. Mm. Get that extra draft slot money. That's what they're doing with that. They know who they want to go after. They know what it takes to get them, and they're paying that price. Now, Xavier Edwards is the top 100 prospect in Major League Baseball. He's going to be a very good Went up to Lake Elsinore this year. He tore it up in the California League playoffs. Took him a couple games to figure it out. Boom, hit tools there. He's figuring it out. That's what they're doing now. They're getting impact talent instead of guys that they can just get in the system so they're not embarrassed about them not signing anymore. Mm -hmm. I like that a lot. That's a good aside. Appreciate pretty that. concise too. Like you had that wrapped up pretty quickly and neatly. I worked on it a little bit. Did I rush it? it no, like I no, it. that was good. Good, that was sweet. good. All right. Yeah, not not off the rails at all. That was well well executed. Corey Spangenberg is the reason why we should like AJ Preller more. How, how do you like <laughs> that? How do you like that trip around Robin Hood's barn? So we should get a chance to see Garrett Richards again, and mm-hmm. um, looking forward to that. Again, it was fun to see him. I was going to say back out there, but out there, at least as, as you know, a Padre fan or follower. Um, and I like the fact that they they gave him this runway now into 2020. And it wasn't just, I mean, that would be exhausting, I would think, for him, even to have to answer these questions for another six months or whatever it is before you get a chance to pitch in a Major League Baseball game. Yes. Like, now he's done it. And he's got that in the back of his head. Uh, assuming things go well as the next time out, just kind of a good feel. Um so uh, I, I like that we did. I mean, it took us a little bit longer than we expected, but yes. finally got a chance to see him. Um, tip of the cap to Chris Paddock. They did not sure. listen to your advice from the last podcast. They gave him one last start. And uh, while he did have his scoreless inning streak end at uh, 16 and change, uh, fourth in a row, just phenomenal outing he looked from the good. sheriff. Gave up one, one hit, and it was a solo home run. Yeah, Lorenzo Cain just missed. He missed. Yeah, then Lorenzo Cain's not a bad baseball player either. No. Lorenzo Cain, again, if you get hurt by that guy, yeah. okay, tip your cap, get him next time. Tip your cowboy hat, I should say, get him next time. Yeah. Paddock, was he's been tremendous. Yeah. He has been the guy that we saw in April mm-hmm. and, into, and a little bit into May these last four starts. And that is so encouraging to see the guy get, as he says, back to who he is. Yeah, 23 and a third, two earned runs, 32 strikeouts I in like his last that. four starts. I like because you know why? Look at the different location on his mm-hmm. fastballs. When he was getting hurt, he was saying, I think it, was, it might have been the, the Alonzo game. I can just blow everybody away. Yeah. You know? Doesn't work all the time. You need to put the fastball, what he did throughout his entire minor league career, you know, 100 strikeouts and eight walks, put it around the edges mm-hmm. of the strike zone. When you do that, you're really tough to hit, especially when you got that changeup you're keeping down diving away. Mm-hmm. Curveball has become a serviceable third pitch. He's throwing it more often. It looks pretty good. Mm-hmm. He's not hanging it all that often. If he does, it's up out of the strike zone and not getting swung at anyway. When he's putting it where he wants to and not just here it is, hit it, Andres Munoz can occasionally get away with here it is, hit it. He's throwing 102. <laughs> Chris Paddock, not so much, even though he can run it up there to 97, as we've seen. He hasn't done that really since that Mets game, though, either. He's been living at you know 95 or so. If he puts it where he wants to put it, which he has the ability to do because he has that kind of location ability, 
that's what we're going to see with him moving forward. And as he gets gets better and better and then learns how to attack these hitters and starts building that mental database of how he needs to go after these guys, I think the sky's the limit for that kid. Very encouraging, although I was wincing with every pitch. <laughs> Please don't let this be. Th- okay, he's okay, good, thank you. <sighs> yeah, he, it's, you know, it was as much fun as it was, especially early in the season, to see him, like, run 97 chest high on somebody and they're just flailing away. The talk with Ian Green is getting that fastball low in the zone where maybe you have a little bit more room for air. Yes. Where if you if you miss it's harder to elevate it. Yeah, yeah. If you if you miss, then you end up right in the middle of the plate, waist high, something like that, and guys are just gonna jump all over it. It's funny you mentioned uh just just his approach and, and he talked about that after the game. Like finding things to get him jacked up, and that's been the story all. I mean, the Mets thing, the fake rivalry with Alonzo that kind of turned into a real, real rivalry. Um, but he, but he said it. He wanted to get his tenth win. wasn't able to do that. Facing a a playoff caliber team, um, and then of course knowing like that this is it. Like, it's a swan song. Yeah, he, that's he wanted to continue the strong run he was on. He didn't want to go and have a a blow up game. And then that, then you got a stew. I mean, that guy, the way he's wired, you think he wants a stew on that for the next five months, whatever it is? It'd be no. torture for he'd, him. He'd have gone and pitched a junior college yeah. fall ball game just to, just there, to get is back there another, out. Is there not another sod poodles game I can pitch in or something? Yeah, he 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 would have found some way, to, you know, some co-ed softball league somewhere where he could have gone out and just <laughs> gotten that taste out of his mouth somehow. But, but if I, I tell you in February or March that we get, 142 thirds, 3.33 ERA, 0.98 WHIP, and he is was it the third Padre rookie to eclipse 150 strikeouts in the season? I'd taken that. Yeah, you would have. I would have taken. I would. Yeah, I would take that in a heartbeat. And he got out healthy. And forget about like the, the moments that he had. You know, yeah. if he, that would, if he just would have been steady all year, right around that, it would have been awesome. Yeah. But the moments that he gave us, even the moments, the stretches, one month, you know, in July, I think his ERA was like a buck ninety one. Yeah. And then he kind of blew up on him. It was in, like his fifth August. or sixth start before he went north of two. It was he he was tremendous. He was tremendous. So many different outings. I don't talk about like, okay, really good or really good for a rookie. He was tremendous. Mm-hmm. Where you're going, this guy is one of the best pitchers in baseball right now. Yeah. One of the be- at least in the National League, one of the best pitchers in the National League right now. And he's learning. Mm-hmm. That's what's so encouraging. Is because you know how he's wired. We've talked to him. You know he's he's just gonna like I I need to be I need to dominate. And it's awesome how you said finding stuff to get himself ramped up. Find himself to get himself a little bit salty, mm-hmm. you know, a little bit ornery, because the great ones always did that. You know what happened with Tom Brady last year? The kind of you know middling as they go down the stretch with the Patriots, and then somebody said that they were shot and they weren't going to win anymore because yeah. the Chiefs and Patrick Mahomes had overtaken them. And after that Charger playoff game, he's like, "People can't think think we can't play anymore. We'll see." Oh, well. Oh. Tommy, and, that's and, it. Because he found that as a slight. And how ridiculous yep. is it that the Patriots took on an underdog persona? Yes, now, because it, he needed to year, find that. The great was, ones find a, find way, even if they're just perceived slights. The great ones find ways. Michael Jordan did this. Yeah. Kobe Bryant did this. They look for ways to see who's dissing me right now. I don't mm. even care if it's real. That guy's... I'm going to prove it to you, yeah. water like, bottle. Who, who is that? Who, there's, no, there's nobody over there, Tom. Yeah, that's but but he, he sees somebody. 
He sees a ghost. Yeah. He sees somebody saying you're not as good as Montana. And that's what drives And then he goes, really? Okay, we'll see about that. And mm-hmm. boom, he's back to being that guy. Chris Pat is going to be like that too. Where he's going to have to, even if it's manufacturing, looking through Instagram to find something <laughs> to, to make him, you know, get that little extra oomph, that little extra salt, little extra chip on the shoulder. That's what he needs to do. And if he finds a way to consistently do that, he could be one of the greats. So we've discussed those two guys, touched on Denelson Lamette as well, uh, who's who's having more of these performances, 14 strikeouts the most for a Padre since Jake Peavy in 2008 when he had 13. Um, I forget what the list was, but a limited number of big league pitchers who have struck out 14 in six innings or less. Yes, that's impressive. Struck out the side in the first and the sixth, had two or more strikeouts every inning. We only got 18 outs. <laughs> 14 yeah. of them were strikeouts. Strike when you when you say it like that, it you know it's pretty <laughs> that's, ridiculous. That's a good uh, out to strikeout ratio. Yeah, I think yeah, I'd say <laughs> no. I'd say it's solid. Uh, and and the the swings he was getting too, like you don't you don't have to be a rocket scientist. You don't have to study the game to understand what's happening when guys are taking the ugliest, most awkward looking off balance. Uh, uncertain hacks at it. Yes. So they have no idea what they're doing. Big league hitters. You make big league hitters look like that, you're doing something right. Yeah. And, and was, you're right. They were they didn't know what to do with that. He was and he was doing a lot right. Um quickly, our buddy Craig Elston tweeted. Yes. Hi Craig. Uh, Wednesday after the game. What's up, Craig? Uh when after or during. And he was basically saying he started with Richards, Paddock, and Lamette. He had two other guys. It might have been Gore and I want to say Lucchese. And his question was, and I think this is with Garrett Richards in mind, what we saw from him, as well as the development of Denelson Lamette. Mm-hmm. Do you have to still sign a big name veteran starting pitcher? Is there enough here that you could get away with not bringing in one of those big names that we have discussed all season? I long? see where Craig's coming from. I do, and I and it has merit. Mm-hmm. I I would disagree with it. You don't trust it yet because we d- find me a World Series team in the last twenty five years that has not had a, a an a ace of some kind, a stud at the top of the rotation. It's you're going to be hard pressed. I mean, Chris Sale last year, uh, Justin Verlander in seventeen, uh, John Lester in in sixteen. Johnny Cueto in 15, Madison Bumgarner in 14, John Lester in in 13 with Mm. a different team with the Red Sox, Madison Bumgarner and and Matt Cain in 12. You you keep going back. There's an all-star top 10, 15 pitcher leading a rotation. That's just how kind of how it works in baseball nowadays because if you don't have that guy, the other team will. Mm. There's going to be a Bumgarner or a Scherzer or a Kershaw or a Sale or a Lester, somebody is going to be leading the other team's rotation. You're going to have to get through that person probably twice in any given seven-game playoff series. Mm -hmm. If you don't have somebody who can counter that person, who has proven they can counter that person, you're going to be at a deficit. Now, I think he's saying is the talent we have here is going to develop at least some of it into that person. Yeah. I haven't seen it yet. It's not there yet. One guy clearly has the capability. Paddock, no question, has the capability. I think Mackenzie Gore, no question, has the capability. But until they do it, I'm not sure you can fully trust it. Hmm. And it might take a couple of years. 
You know, you, you never know. It might not, they might not be that guy right at that moment. Mm. It might take them a little bit to get there. And they're entering their window next year. And I'd much rather have them enter the window next year with an established stud than with the guys who are going to be studs in a couple of years. Because then when they develop into those studs, then you've got three or four of them. And now your rotation looks like what the Astros are running out there mm-hmm. with Cole and Berlander and Granke. And it's like, what, what do you do in a Where, playoff where's series? Where's the night off? Right. You don't have one. Mm-hmm. Especially especially in a seven-game series, you have to go through those three guys. You have, to, you have to beat one of those guys twice. Which one of those three guys are you beating twice? How about the guy in that, a row? that just eclipsed 300 strikeouts on the season? Yeah, Cole. Yeah, he's going to be the free agent who's just made himself two hundred million bucks. <laughs> he's insane. He is going to he's going to cash out. Anyways, I thought that I saw that tweet from Craig and I thought that was an interesting point. And, and uh, you know, it's going to be part of the conversation. Um, yeah, to to your point, do we know who that guy is at this point? No. Is there potential that these guys ascend to that? Yes. Um, Plus, I would always say, adding more talent is never a bad thing. No. Certainly not. You know, if you have the capability to go out and get somebody, mm-hmm. get a Jacob DeGrom or whoever it is, yeah. go, you get them. Yeah. If you have that ability, you do it. Because you just, adding more talent to the to the system, adding more talent to the rotation is never a bad idea. Three up, three down. Do it. Brought to you by OGs. We are headed to Santee October 10th. The tour to OGs continues. Very nice. Uh, we usually get going around 1.30. Come hang out. Talk Padres with us. We got a couple kids on the last episode that, hey, they really like soccer. We got to the first time we've ever talked about uh, Ronaldo and Messi rivalry That's on true. the Fryer podcast. Yeah. That was fun, though. Yeah, it was. Um, but yeah, come see us in Santee at the OGs on October 10th. They got lunch specials and they got that deal. You spent $30 getting an Aztec football ticket. And there's a heck of a game. I hadn't heard that. No, there's a there's a heck of a game on Saturday with Utah yes, State. Yes, that's going to be a good one. In fact, Rocky Long told me on Sunday after that win at mm-hmm. the New Mexico State is he thought Utah State was the best team in the Mountain West Conference. Yeah, brought back the most and the best talent mm-hmm. from last year's team. This kid they have a quarterback. Yeah, this Jordan Love. He's going to be in the NFL next year. Yeah, this kid can play. They're averaging over 400 passing yards per game, like 650 total yards per game. But the Aztecs defense is their strength. It's basically the number one offense against in the Mountain West against the number one or number two defense uh, in the Mountain West. So that's going to be a fun one to watch. So hey, go to OGs, spend thirty dollars, get a ticket, watch some good college football on Saturday night. Darn right. All right, ups, ups. I'm going to start down on the farm. Huge up I thought to you were the Amar- I'm gonna start with a down. I was like, <laughs> no. wow, this is a real negative twist. <laughs> How about down on the farm with the Amarillo Sod Poodles? Yeah. Texas League champions. How cool is that? That's awesome. And oh, by the way, how about two things about this? One, they won five consecutive elimination games mm. in the Texas League playoffs. Fell down 0-2 in the first round, won three in a row. They fell down 2-1 in the second round, won two in a row. That's that's impressive to play with the backs against the wall like that. Well done. Great job on the Sod Poodles, Sod Poodles. And Philip Wellman, the guy we've talked about on the podcast yeah. as well, got himself another championship. Fantastic minor league skipper. And the other part is they did it without guys that they could have done it with. Mackenzie Gore was shut down. Luis Patino wasn't pitching. Uh, Ronald Bolaños was pulled up to pitch mm-hmm. at the major league level. They didn't have those guys. At, at, at the double-A level for the playoffs. 
So what they did with how much talent they have, and again, this kind of shows the depth of this franchise and this system, huge ups to the Sod Poodles for for winning that Texas League title. And by the way, Taylor Trammell. I was going to say, oh, when, when, you, when you get around to that, because that was a pretty big deal. He went bonkers in the postseason. Yeah. Absolutely went bonkers in the postseason. He's a guy who will be in big league camp next year. We'll get to know him a little bit, get to know him on the On Fryer podcast a little bit. Mm-hmm. And then uh, he might be ticketed for Petco Park by, you know, the middle of next year or so, <laughs> which would be absolutely awesome to see. Yeah, and, and what an amazing moment. I mean, ninth inning, go-ahead grand slam, and just yep. the excitement that he had. It was just pouring out of his veins. Just yes. the way he was just hunched over, sprinting around, then starts his trot as he's getting home. That was an awesome, awesome moment. So, that was so cool to watch. Congratulations <laughs> to the Sod Poodles. Uh, my, uh, and I, I've been wanting to mention this guy for a couple weeks. Don't say Will Myers. Not Will Myers this time. Yes. You're free. You're free this week. We'll see what he does in the next <laughs> six days. Uh, David Bednar. Yes. Now, granted... Uh, last couple appearances, not great. Gave up a couple runs. Started his career, what was it, with five five and two-thirds uh, scoreless innings. The reason I brought him up is you remember the David Bednar spring training story we did? Yes. He had to lose his locker. He ended, was, it, was it Schultons? So Jesse Schultons, Jesse Schultons had a locker all to himself. Yes. Padres made some sort of free agent acquisition. Who was it? Oh, was it Machado? Yes, it was Machado. Manny, gotcha. Yeah, some guy Manny Machado. They needed a space for Manny Machado. Mm-hmm. And look, you want to treat everybody equally in the clubhouse, this and that. If if you have David Bednar who can share a locker with somebody, or Manny Machado, chances are you're gonna say, Hey David. Yep. We're gonna need you to do us a favor real quick. Yep. And then he and Schultons were roommates. They were actual roommates. Very good friends. And then they became literal locker mates. Locker mates. Yeah. Which was that was that was a really fun piece that, that you did there in, in spring training. I think training. you spotted that and they were sitting there in the locker, like top like half the odd was couple. one, yeah. Bottom half was the other. Couple and, minor league guys. Yeah, and what, remember what they did? They t- they got they went over to like Ross or Marshalls or something, and they got one of those little things that that spins around on the on the rack that uh-huh. delineates between sizes. Those little circular yeah, things. Yeah, yeah. They put that in the middle yeah. of their uh, of their bar there to see who. Okay, your shirts are on the left. My shirts are on uh-huh. the right. They were that they and they were just fun dudes. And yeah. Bednar actually for a while was on the Padres' top 30 prospect list because mm. they were he was closing for Lake Elsinore and had a, a really good stay there. And they added more talent to the system. He was like in the down, you know, 28, 29, 30 range, and he got knocked off. He's always been on their radar, though, as a guy who can get people out, and he's showing it at the big league level. Yeah, so that was cool to see. Uh, when when the name popped up again, I was like, I remember that guy. And uh, kudos to him. Probably have a locker all to himself next spring. He's got a locker all to himself. At Petco Park That's right now, even better, which is awfully cool for that guy. Yeah, that was that was really nice. Uh, my up to be hey the, the starting rotation this how bounced back yeah. in Milwaukee. That I mean by and large, I mean as bad as they all were in Colorado, for them to come back and throw as well as they did at Miller Park against a team that again even without Christian Yelich is a good offensive ball club that is in a really tight division race with mm-hmm. both the Cardinals and the Cubs along with the wild card race playing for a lot against a, you know, a pretty good team in a very good hitters ballpark for those four guys to go out and throw the way as well as they did big up big ups to the Padres starting rotation for bouncing back getting out of Coors Field and regrouping as, as fast and as well as they did yeah I don't have a whole lot we mentioned Seth Mejia Spring. good for him longtime mm-hmm. minor league guy to get his yep. opportunity hit a home run I mean 
if if that ball were an inch and a half short, it wouldn't have been a home run. Right. But bounced it off the top of the fence and got his first career dinger. And uh, look, Manny, you know, he's probably going to end up hitting south of 260 this season. Not his best uh, season at the plate, but another 30 home run season. You got 30 home run guys, it's going to help your club. And, um, you know, I wonder how much of a kind of a Hosmer effect maybe there will be year two um, where, where things kind of um, get a bit closer to normal what we're accustomed to seeing for Manny in his second season around with a new team and not so many new places or, or new pieces and not new things to kind of get acclimated to um, but good for him to at least hit that plateau and, and contribute that and if you're a Padre fan hey, there, there's a reason to go catch one of the last six games see and, him add to his home run total and Hosmer actually told us this is spring training as well so what's different about us this year is I haven't gone through the grind of the free agent thing yeah. you know as he says when you do that and you miss some time getting ready for spring training in the place you're going to be with the guys, with the system, knowing the coaches like you had in Kansas city for all those years, it sets you back that first year. Machado didn't sign until spring training was already underway. Was it February 19th or 20th? Yeah, he was, so then he got there and he had to kind of get in and know yep. the different system and move your family and, and all that good stuff. I think having a home base, knowing what you're doing and going through your full offseason routine uninterrupted with the free agent thing, that could be a huge deal for him as well. Yeah, downs. That'd be nice. Uh, downs. I'm going to do an up and a down on the same thing. So you started with an up on down on the farm. Now you're doing a down. down. That's an also an up symmetry. Wow, symmetry, darn it! Thoroughly confused. All right, so th- it's the up is Hunter Renfro getting that home run, uh-huh. and the up is Hunter Renfro trying to play through all these injuries. Uh-huh. The down, why are the Padres running Hunter Renfro out there with all these injuries? You see him trying to chase down that fly ball on right field. The dude can't move. I mean, nice playing left today. You know, but he can't. He's out there on guts. Hmm. He can't move. Get, there's nothing left to play for. Does he have some sort of roster bonus for hitting a certain number of home runs or innings played? No, he doesn't. That's not how baseball contracts work. Typically, when you're on, you're still on your rookie deal. Mm-hmm. You know, he hits arbitration next year. He's going to get a nice big fat pay uh, pay raise. Save him from himself and just get him. Just let the man rest. Let him rest. So that's my down. Uh. How about Greg Garcia, a guy that we've complimented a ton this season, and you talk about struggles with this lineup, just not producing that leadoff spot uh, in particular when you don't have Fernando Tatis. And and there's yes. been points in the season where uh, Garcia, Manuel Margot, others have Urias, uh, filled Kinsler. in admirably. Uh, but in the last week before the Thursday game, Greg Garcia, 1 for 14 over those two series, 0 for 10 hit and leadoff. And some of that was in Coors Field. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. yeah. The first two games, I think, 0 for 4, then 0 for 2. Uh, yeah. And so not not the contributions we've come to expect from Greg Garcia. He's been one of the great spark plugs and acquisitions this season, but it was a rough week for him, and it should come as no surprise that it was a rough week for the team digging themselves into holes in Coors Field that they ultimately couldn't dig themselves out of and then just nothing just lifeless at what five runs in four games against Milwaukee yeah that was bad uh I'll, I'll piggyback off of that for another down because it involves a play that Greg Garcia was involved in uh it's Andy Green for yesterday challenging wasting a challenge on a foul ball what okay and, and it might not just be on Green because he has to he looks upstairs and he gets the the feedback from hey we've got a replay up here that shows you can overturn this Garcia hits a little liner down the left field line it's it's 
millimeters. Mm. You can't tell if it's fair or foul. It's ruled foul by the third base umpire. All right. There's no good TV angle on it. He blocks one side. The other one's from an uh, aerial camera. There's nothing really from down the left field line. You can't see anything. Andy challenges it anyway. Wastes a challenge when you might need it later in the game. And I, I, I know, again, it's what do they really have to worry about with that? <laughs> but Andy's managing for his job next year, and he needs to know you can't be doing stupid nonsense like that. Mm. You know? You got you to gotta stop with that. Yeah, that's a big down for me with Andy Green. Yeah, that's fair. Um, two other downs. I mean, the things we already mentioned. Eric Lauer. I, I don't know if we need to uh, pile on to Eric Lauer anymore. I think we've thoroughly discussed. Oh, why not? Discussed that issue uh, with him pitching at Coors Field. And the other one that I was going to mention is another one that came up was the Corey Spangenberg revenge game. Ruined what yeah. otherwise would have been a, a, a really nice return for. Uh, a really nice return for Garrett Richards, but Spangenberg went and spoiled that party. So those were my downs, and and we we got to those pretty thoroughly. It's because we're awesome. Yeah, it's so, it's like we knew. Are we back? Apparently, there's some issues with the Facebook now. the The light is red on the Mevo for everybody listening on the dis- podcast. It disconnected itself. I did hit record today before we started, which That's I did not solid. do. Last time. It's a veteran move right there. We were in the podcast, too. Well, you know, I'm learning. It's a veteran move right there. In fact, I was showing, you know, we'll give a a little uh, love to some of one of our other uh, new podcasts. I was in here with uh, Monica and Candace, Uh who are going to be starting up the Eater podcast. Looking forward to this a lot. That's going to be awesome Mm -hmm. because, A, they're they're just the sweetest people you'll ever meet. B, they know their stuff. Mm -hmm. C, they're going to make this. It's not going to be one of those elitist insider foodie (laughs) things. It's going to be, where do we go to get a good meal in San Diego? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So they're going to they're gonna do it right. going to be a really cool thing. So um, coming out in probably about a month or so, uh-huh. keep a lookout. Make sure you subscribe and, and give that good review to the Eater podcast because it's going to be uh, it's going to be really, really good and informative and fun and well done. Yeah. And of course, I'm saying a lot of that now because I also would like to go and do some of the on-site ones with them because the I'm food's going to gonna do, be really happy good. Happy to do that as well. A yeah. little taste testing. Well, I'll have to go show them how to set all this stuff Absolutely. up. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. There we go. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I mean, you go to a Padres game, where do you want to eat before or after? Precisely. They brought that idea up, actually. Spots in the yeah. East Village. Yeah. I like it. I'm very, very much looking forward to it and, and happy to, like you, offer my services in, in whatever do a way whole, possible. Like, a whole ballpark slash downtown. I don't have to talk. I mean, I can just eat. That's fine. Yeah. It works for a podcast. Yeah. I'll I'll pass along my reviews and my thoughts and, and let them wax poetic. We can chew... And you can tell us what you think it is we're eating mm. by the crunch. That's true. That's a podcast. It's a very good podcast. Everything's a podcast these days. <laughs> I don't know if it's a good podcast, but it's a podcast. I feel like we just went Seinfeld. That's a show. <laughs> uh, any more downs? I don't know. Other than the whole freaking season? Things just in general right now are are a downer. It's, yeah, it's a, it's a big downer. But you know what? But they can still finish strong by winning their last nine, Derek. Stranger things have happened. Not many, but some. Mm-hmm. Some stranger things have happened. 
like season three of Stranger Things being exponentially better than season two of Stranger Things. Yeah, one was great out the gates. Two lost me a little bit. Three was awesome. Three was fantastic. Yeah. Man, they, they righted that ship in a but big way. But they need, uh, it's they got to get out of Hawkins. And they are. Like what happened right. to, uh, what's the name of the sheriff? Why can't I think of his name right now? Hopper. Hopper. What happened to Hopper? Did the Russians take him? Is yeah. That, huh? that see, wait, um, wait, spoiler alert in case anybody hasn't. We'll give you a couple seconds. Binged it. Spoiler alert. And three, you hit pause. Two, one. Okay. So at the end of season three, well, right? We don't know that. I Okay. Here's my thing. I want, I don't want Hopper to be dead. He can't be dead. Oh, by the way, he's also he's playing the Taskmaster in the Black Widow movie. I don't know. What you, I awesome. have no idea what you said. I, 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 th- that cheapens. There was this great emotional moment at the end of season three with L. They butted heads in the beginning. They came together. Hopper appears to be dead. L real. I mean, it's just, it was gripping emotional television. If he's just alive, then that just feels like, that feels cheap to me. It feels like a waste. You know what they did is they, they if that's the case, they Spielberged it. And my wife knows what I'm talking about right now when they say they Spielberged it because what happens with any Steven Spielberg movie, and my buddy Mike Moore, who was one of our editors and uh, sports producers mm-hmm. way back in the day, he's up in Portland now. What's up, Mo Man? Um, he and I came up with this. Is Spielberg always makes his movies like 10 minutes too long. Take Jurassic Park, for an example. The T-Rex comes in, gets rid of the Velociraptor, roars the banner when dinosaurs rule the earth, falls. Roll credits. Movie's over. Perfect, perfect way to let us walk out of the theater. Would everybody's safe? And then he has to spend 10 more minutes with him getting in the helicopter. And then, you know, Sam O'Neill has to have that, oh, I was right the whole time. No, no stop, stop Spielberging things, right? If that's the case, then what Stranger Things did is they Spielberged it. And they're going to let it go too long. And you know, you know it's them because they say not the American. And how did they always refer to him? The American when they were going through the whole season, the American. So they have, it has to be the same I person. I don't want it to be Hopper. I love that character. It I don't want it to be Hopper. Right, exactly. The, he's the best character on the whole show. He's awesome. Bar none, hands down, far and away, best character on the entire show. And he has to be dead. That's It's like Walking Dead. You have to kill people to make it keep going. My, my thing is, the, the, the issue I had with season three is, okay, now we've been through three iterations of this creature, beast, upside down Mind flare. Yeah. yeah, all that. Uh, at a certain point, do you just move? Do you realize that horrible things are only happening here in Hawkins, Indiana? And I granted this is kind of like a cynical way to view it, but I think at a certain point, you got to move things around. You got to change the way uh, uh, things are situated because it, it, you really run the risk of it just get, I mean, how many different variations of this creature can they come up with and it still be interesting? Yeah, well, they said this is probably going to be the last one, but then it got such good reviews and was so well received. And by all accounts, the cast had so much fun doing it. My guess is they're going to have to do something. Because Will's to do family moved, right? Wasn't that the end of the, the, end of the season? Right. So they're out of town, which leads me to believe that we're going to at least change the setting and hopefully... And Elle went with them. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so I don't know. I am I will always watch Stranger Things. Yes. I'll always enjoy it. Uh, there's There was a bit of me, though, watching season three that was like, okay, um, I'm not going to talk about whether or not this show is feasible because... 
the show being what it's, it is. Well, we're talking about a series that we loved the third season of when there is a secret Russian base built a mile mm. underneath a yeah. shopping mall in normal, Hawkins, Indiana. Normal stuff. You know, because they had time to build all of that. So this isn't an, uh, you no. can't make this an issue of feasibility, but. You, you, you throw that out the window when you accept that this yes. is what we're dealing with here. Yes. yes. Um, but I think it would do them some good just to, let's move us to a different place. I think that would go to Indianapolis. The show. Maybe Fort Wayne. Go to the big city. South Bend. What's going on in Gary? Yeah. Michael Jackson's hometown. Yeah. You know, maybe go to South Bend. You know, maybe. Evansville? Well, here's the thing they have to go to South Bend because Rudy died in season three. And so it's just the natural oh, tie in. Ooh, I like that. You know, you, it'd be just Rudy a little, died a in little, season a little three. nod. <laughs> He's always going to be Rudy. <laughs> I don't care what else Sean Aston does, he is Rudy. What's his name in Goonies? Mikey. Yeah. yeah. And my wife will always tell me, no, he's whatever the Hobbit thing was. No, he's freaking no, no. Rudy. Yeah, he's Rudy. All right. He, he's even, even that they're doing now the Kentucky Fried Chicken thing where it's Rudy. They're not I doing know. the Lord I of the Rings the other thing. Day. Is that a Lord of the Rings thing? Is that yeah. a Goonies thing? It's a Rudy thing. He's Rudy. And also, John Favreau and Vince Vaughn met on the set of Rudy. Did they? And that gave us swingers and all this other awesome stuff. So, mm-hmm. Sean Astin is just a national treasure. Yeah, he is. And so is Stranger Things. It's a wonderful show. It is. Uh, I don't know how we got there, but final homestand coming up, Diamondbacks, Dodgers, three and three. So see what the Padres can do. Hopefully give us something positive. I want lots of ups. Last true regular season episode of On Friar a week from today, next Thursday. Um, Whoa, 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 whoa. Hold up, hold up, hold up. I want tons of of ups. I want all ups. We're going to have to do that from the ballpark. I, 12.40 start. Yeah, yeah, last well, home game. We were going to have this conversation at some point. Yeah, we're going to have it right here on this. Everybody can listen to how we... Okay, production meeting. On Friar podcast production meeting for also the NBC7 Sports Department. Uh, let's do it from the ballpark. It's the lab. Yeah. We're going to do some live shots out there. It's 12.40 start. It'll be a similar fashion to opening day. Right. We're going to be in the clubhouse. Mm-hmm. We'll be talking to the guys You know, before they take off on their last road trip to Arizona for the yeah. last three games. We let's do it from it or from you know, someplace down there, you yeah. know, so you can get the sales department to get us out there uh, someplace. Yeah. Um, or do it from the, from the yard. Let's do an actual like on location. Here we go on yeah. Friar podcast. I'm down. You know, cause it's, it's gotta be like right after we walk out of the clubhouse. Cause that's where we're going to have all the best information. Right. Yeah. Let's, let's, let's do that. Yeah. I'm okay, cool. I'm getting, I was kind of planning on it anyways. Just hadn't gotten around to sit across the table from you. And yeah, we're not in the same building very often. Least, no, only uh, I guess it's three days a week, but primarily Monday and Thursday. Yeah, Sundays you never know what's going on. You never know where, especially during the NFL season, where you're going to be. Yeah, Sundays I'll be up in uh, Carson again this weekend yeah. to watch the Chargers lose to the Texans. There you go. And then come back in here and do uh, we'll do some uh, football shows. How are you liking the football show, by the way? It's a blast. It's fun, isn't it's it? It's a lot of fun. And Rich and Greg do a really good job. Rich and Greg are incredibly easy to work with. Rustin puts together a great show. You and Todd, whether it's with the Chargers or the Rams, put together great stuff. And then having the Rocky Long element, that guy's always a blast. Rocky's the best. Uh, so that show, the breakdowns are fun. He said, he said. Um, get a chance to show some love to the local guys. It's been a lot of fun. Um, so if you haven't checked out Football Night in San Diego yet this season, week three coming up, um, and then, of course, Sports Wrap, 11.35 on Sunday nights. And this week, by the way, we're coming, and we do always do it after the Sunday night game on NBC. And this mm-hmm. week, the Rams at the Browns, of all things. If the Browns don't get it together, they're going to get boat raced. Yeah. 
by the Rams because their offense is starting to – the second half of that Saints game, their oh, yeah. offense started to really yeah. put together what we saw from them most of last year. Mm-hmm. They're knocking all that rust off and not playing in the preseason. That that Rams team is going to be ready to go. Yeah, that's yeah, quite a test for the Browns. They got their first win, but against just a Jets team that's terrible and beat up. And um, So I know how much you can take from that. Baker Mayfield put up numbers but didn't look particularly sharp. Odell Beckham, though, that dude is a problem. He is so good. He's so talented. It's stu- he might heard somebody say on the radio the other day, he's the most talented player in the National Football League. You want to talk about pure athleticism? Yeah. And I went, I don't know if I can argue against that right yeah. now. Yeah, it's tough to do. So if he has a ridiculous one-handed touchdown catch or something, I'm sure we'll show it to you on football night. Um, and NBC7.com, I don't know what you have cooking on the website. Uh, I wrote something up just kind of chronicling Chris Paddock's last start, his numbers as they finished up the season, this last stretch. Um, but you're always putting good stuff on the website. Um, so we got plenty for you. Yep, you like sports? Got the podcast, a couple shows, about an hour and a half, two hours worth of just good sports content on Sunday nights. Good stuff. The website, lots of good stuff. Hey, there's a USL team. Lots and of good, lots of good stuff going we, on. We right got now. a... Uh, National Independent Soccer Association uh-huh. team, the 19, uh, 1904 FC. Yeah. I was at that game on Saturday night. They won their first home match in history, mm-hmm. 3-1. And tell you what, for its third tier of U.S. soccer, right below USL, which is right below Major League Soccer, yeah. that was a pretty good product. Yeah. I was actually surprised. At average age 21 on that club, they, they're they pretty good. The problem is they're playing at, at SDCCU Stadium. It's large. They had about you know 3,000 people there, which is pretty good, but in, in that cavernous spot, it doesn't mm-hmm. look like there's that much there. But they put on a, a really nice show. If you have a chance to go check out 1904 FC before you go and check out the USL team, mm-hmm. go do it. Because yeah. it's actually, I was really pleasantly surprised with how fun it was to watch that soccer game. Yeah, and I was able to put some stuff on the website about USL San Diego and, and what we know, what we don't know. Uh, so make sure to check that out as well. It's crazy. One last regular season episode before we then wrap things up and then uh, see where the offseason takes us. But it's been a lot of fun, and uh, hopefully there's something good to talk about in that, seven days. That would be nice. That'd I be think nice. we're still live on Facebook Live. Oh, really? Yeah, we are. Look. Not for long, though. No, because now we're leaving. See you, everybody. See you, bud.